You seriously think a puny little rodent can be a villain? No, that's really good. Wow, that's really good. You know, basically, I'm um, repeating Bell Bottoms' words to Gru. That's a great idea. I wish I had that idea. That's great. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to a new episode of Mr. A+. Joining us today is another writer. And relax, it's not Tess Morris. I interviewed her weeks ago. This writer wrote for The Lego Movie 2 and was an assistant to the directors of Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Not only did he write the screenplay, but also made many contributions to the most recent animated film done by Illumination Entertainment, Home of the Minions. This film he worked on is Minions, The Rise of Gru. Now, let's all give a warm welcome to Matt Fogel. Hello, Matt. Hello. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Thank you for coming on. How are you doing? I am very excited to be talking to you. I'm a huge fan of yours and a huge fan of uh, the show you were on. Thank you. That really means a lot. How is life going in the U.S.? Life is going pretty well, I would say. It's um, it's starting. To, I'm in Los Angeles right now, and it's finally starting to cool off a little. It was about 100 degrees here for the last two weeks, Yeesh. which is just too hot for me. Right. Well, um, here in Australia, we don't really um, address our temperatures in Fahrenheit. We address it in Celsius. I see. I don't remember Celsius that well, even though my dad was a chemist. And he did everything in Celsius when I was growing up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in, lo- in LA, uh, it's doing well and getting better? Everything is everything is getting better. The, the heat wave is almost over. Our, our mutual enemy, the virus that shall not be named, is finally um, easing up a little bit here. So I'm very happy about that. So am I. I'm really pleased that the US is doing better. Yes, thankfully. I'm excited to be able to go back to the movies. Wait. Are they still closed? No, they're not, but I didn't feel safe for a long time going. Oh, okay. um, and And now I'm starting to feel a little safer. Okay, that's fair enough, too. Everyone has very different comfort zones. Exactly. Can you describe your journey from starting out in the industry to where you are today? Sure. I actually started out not as a screenwriter, but as a journalist. I was a reporter. And I did many, many different kinds of reporting. Um, My first job actually was at a uh, local newspaper in Alaska, which is very, very far from where I grew up in New Jersey. And uh, my first job was um, writing obituaries, which is just describing um, people who have recently passed away and telling the story of their lives. Yeah. And and then I left Alaska and I moved to New York City. And um, I started um, doing some business reporting and started to write about movies and television. And then I um, got a job actually working for uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, working on Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. And I was really inspired by them as artists and comedians. They were just incredible to work with. And I said, wow, I would would love to do that myself. Um, So I started writing screenplays after that. That's really impressive. Also, with Alaska, you mentioned, mm-hmm. is it very cold over there? Well, you know, I worked there in the summer and the fall, so it wasn't that cold. But what was crazy is that it's so it's so nor- high up in the north that the sun never really sets. So it's 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 almost always daytime there in the summer. Wow! So you go out 
to dinner and then you meet a friend at a bar and then you come home at night, but it's still a little bit sunny out. Wow. It's wild. Wow. It's just wild. <laughs> so it wasn't that cold there when I was there, but it certainly was never nighttime <laughs> either. Ah, yes. But I also do assume that there's a lot of wildlife there. There are. It's incredible. There's, you know, one of the biggest problems that uh, the town I lived in had was um, grizzly bears coming down from the mountains. And sometimes they would go into people's houses. Sometimes you would come home and they'd be eating your garbage. They weren't really that afraid of people because oh. they they were they were a little too brave. So that was a huge issue. There's also um, incredible. Have you ever seen um, a bald eagle? I've never seen one, but I do know that um that the Americans love bald eagles because they're symbolic to them. Yes, exactly. Very symbolic. And in Alaska, there's just all wild bald eagles everywhere. And wow. Unbelievable. If you ever like want to look on YouTube, they're unbelievable animals. I mean, they fly from the sky all the way down, pick a, find a salmon somehow in a stream, pick off the salmon, and then fly away with it. I mean, it's truly unbelievable. And not to mention, they also have moose and elk and wolves. Yes. Foxes, coyotes, porcupines, badgers. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of coyotes, unfortunately, where I live in Los Angeles. That's scary because I, I have a little dog, and they're not nice to little dogs. Yeah. Um, I've heard that um, coyotes can be quite dangerous. Yes. They're, they they are so I try and I try when the dog when I need to walk the dog at night I try and do it as quickly as possible. Yeah, of course. My next question is um have you ever worked for Disney or Pixar? Um I have not. Would um you- but I have friends who have and have just absolutely loved it. Would you like to write for them? Maybe one day eventually. They're pretty giant those two companies. Yeah, and I grew up, you know, one of one of what really made me fall in love with animated movies was um, the first Toy Story. Yes, everybody loves that film. Oh, I mean, not only was it revolutionary in terms of computer animation, but also just one of the yeah. best screenplays ever written. I mean, yep. just an incredible, incredible movie. Yes, it is. In fact, that was the first CGI could, CGI film ever. Yes. And then um, 2D animation became a thing of the past. Mm-hmm. Although animators like Don Bluth, they, they're they against um, CGI. Yeah. Have, do you like the Don Bluth movies? Um, I did see The Land Before Time, but it was never really my thing. Me neither. I saw also... Um, did you ever see An American Tale? Nope. Oh, it's pretty good. It's, um, it's, about, it's about a little mouse who immigrates from Europe to America. It was really popular when I was a kid. Oh. It's just, uh, it was a really beautiful movie and a really, movie I really loved when I was little. Well, I've actually more grew up with um, Disney and Pixar and DreamWorks. What are your favorite movies? Oh, well, with Disney, there's, there's several ones. There's quite a list, so I can't really um, get into it, but I'll name a couple. There's Aladdin, mm-hmm. The Lion King, Alice in Wonderland, mm-hmm. 101 Dalmatians, Encanto, mm-hmm. Frozen, mm-hmm. Um, Moana, etc. Mm-hmm. For Pixar, mostly the Toy Story franchise, mm-hmm. and Luca and Monsters Incorporated, and A Bug's mm-hmm. Life. Mm-hmm. With DreamWorks, just um, the Kung Fu Panda franchise. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to seeing that sequel to Puss in Boots. Mm, it's it's good. I know a little bit about it. It's very good. I'm actually working with um, Jack Black right now. I'm working on the um, new Super Mario Brothers movie. Oh. 
What's really nice about animation is a lot of times, like I'll write a script, but then we'll encourage the actors to do improvisation. I have one more question. Have you ever seen the DreamWorks movie, um, How to Train Your Dragon? I haven't. Oh, it's really, really, really great. Well, That's maybe one of my all-time favorites. It's it's a really it's a really great movie. It's a you know it's about this kid and he lives in this world where everyone hates dragons and he becomes friends with one and it kind of becomes his pet. Mm. And I got my first dog recently, so I really wow. enjoyed watching a movie about someone having a pet. Well done. Thank you. Shrek used to be my thing, but not as much now. And with Madagascar, it's not my thing much any, anymore either. Um, but Kung Fu Panda, I absolutely love that franchise. Oh, it's it's really great. It's really great. I have a particular fascination with the villains Tai Lung, Shen, and Kai. Him in particular. Mm-hmm. What do you like about them? Their actors are brilliant. Um, Ian mm-hmm. McShane is a great voice actor, and because he seen he has a bit of an intimidating presence, I can't help but have a lot of respect and admiration for him. Yeah, he's great in that movie. Yep. And I also just love the um, the spirituality and the wisdom in, in those films. Me too, because, you know, like you, I'm also um, a practicing uh, Buddhist meditator. Ah. Oh. And I think a, there's a lot of Buddhist wisdom in the Kung Fu Panda movies. That's why I love them so much. Yes, I know. And when I found out that the fourth film was was announced and going to be released in two years' time, I said to myself, well, it's about time they've told us. <laughs> Because I've been hoping that they release a fourth. I know, me too. I'm trying to find out like what the what the deal is with it because I can't wait for it. The third film doesn't quite seem like the last chapter yet. No, the third film is the one with all the little pandas, right? Yeah. It's really great. But I'll have to ask you: Is there a difference between writing for animation or non-animation? There's a really big difference because when you write for non-animation or what we call live action, you you write the script. And then you shoot it, and then that's it. You never have another chance to do it again. It's kind of like, you know, you're you're on a television show. Like, yep. they film you, and then that's the material they have, and they edit it together. With animation, we have the ability to constantly be changing the script and the story. Yeah. Beca- because what we do is something called storyboarding, which is just a very basic drawing of the scenes before it be- goes into the computers and becomes animated. So we watch the movie again and again in storyboards, which almost looks like a children's picture book. And we can see what parts of the movie aren't working. And we can revise them a lot more. So you have a lot more freedom to change the story in animation. Yeah. And I can't begin to tell you the animated movies I've worked on, the story on day one and the story when we finish the movie are always completely different. Yeah. Completely different. About one of these animated films that you've worked on, we're going to get to that very shortly. Mm -hmm. Because this part I'm looking forward to. I also got to mention that with Blue Sky Studios, it's very sad that they had to close down, but I I know why they did it. Why did they do it? Because it was no longer sustainable for Disney to house three animation studios. Right, right. I was actually quite a big fan of the Ice Age films, but then a few years ago, I eventually realized they were just not my thing anymore. Yes. What's interesting is that the producer of the Minions um, at Illumination was also the producer of the Ice Age movies. He was, yes. And with Aardman, they do things very uniquely. Oh, I love Aardman. My favorite work of theirs is 
Chicken Run. It always has been. Oh, I love Chicken Run. I saw Chicken Run like four times in the theater. I love that movie. I'm looking forward to seeing the second film. I can't wait. But anyway, if you could write for any actor, who would you love to write a character for? Oh, that's a great question. And um, I would love to write some kind of comic character for Tom Cruise. Wow. Because I think he's amazing and he very rarely does any comedy movies, but when he does or there's like a comedy drama movie, I think he's wonderful. I haven't really seen much of Tom Cruise's work because I'm not really into action very much. I'm more into um, animation and comedy because they're the most lighthearted. There's a really wonderful movie he was in that's a romantic comedy called Jerry Maguire. It's really good. You might like it. It's 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 pretty lighthearted and it's um it's a romantic comedy and he plays a sports agent who falls in love with a single mom. It's really good. You might like it. I suppose I could give it a shot. Yeah, give it a shot. There's a there's a lot of I gotta admit, there's a lot of things that I haven't even seen. There's I mean, there's so many movies. Me too. I was like scrolling through the um, Netflix last, I was like, I can't believe how many movies there are. Although I'm more into television shows than films. Are you watching anything good right now? Not quite at the moment, but I'm still waiting for the sixth season of Superstore to be released on DVD. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because I don't really use Netflix. I still use a DVD player because I do things the old fashioned way. Yeah, I still use my DVD player too. I'm a huge fan of Michael Schur's work. Mm, he's a real brilliant guy. He's a comedy genius. Yes, he is. And I'd love to have him on the podcast. Yes, he's he's great. And one of one of the actors that he collaborates with the most, who's also one of my favorite actors, is Mark Evan Jackson. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with him? Yes. Finally, he's a great actor. I love that voice of his. Mm-hmm. And a lot mm-hmm. of his characters are usually stone faced because whenever I watch Mark Evan Jackson on screen, I always say to myself, "Why can't my dad sound like him?" <laughs> because it's so humorless cold and dry right right and, and deathly serious it's amazing and all these characters are, are very serious stoic expressions i just love that about him he's my dream guest for this podcast i wish i knew him if only i could find a way to get in contact with him i wonder if he's on twitter i actually don't have twitter i do maybe i could send him a message you would yeah of course i don't know if he'll respond i don't even know if he's on twitter but i'll look for you that would be a big help thank you I'm actually also on Instagram. I know. That's where I saw you um, doing um, the Gentle Minions because I follow you on Instagram. Okay. Now we're starting. We're very close to getting to that part. How did you come up with the idea for the second Minions film? The idea, when I started to work on the movie, the idea, they had already come up with the idea that they wanted to have Gru kidnapped and the Minions would have to go and rescue him and somehow learn Kung Fu in the process because we just thought, that would be hilarious. Yeah. Um, so when I started working on the movie, again, it it changed so many times. And finally, we found this idea of like his hero is the one who kidnaps him and finally teaches him a little bit how to be a villain. And yep. you get a little backstory about, you know, how Gru came to be Gru. Yes, exactly. Which, I, you know, I what I didn't know, and I only learned this when I started working on the movie, is do you know that his first name isn't Gru? His last name is Gru? Yeah. I didn't know that. His first name is... Do you know what his first name is? Felonius. You knew that. I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, Felonius grew. Yep. Yeah, it's great. He's a great character. Yeah, he is. And Steve Carell does a great job voicing him. Steve Carell is incredible. I mean, you know, we didn't even... 
Sometimes when you have an actor playing either younger or older, you have to change the pitch of their voice a little bit. Yeah. But we barely had to do that on the movie. He he came in and could just do the young guru voice himself. It was incredible. Yeah. <laughs> and some other cast members are brilliant. Steve Coogan, yep. Kristen Wiig, who's also hilarious. Yeah. He's hilarious. I love her. I also um, noticed that with the second despicable me they originally had al pacino in the cast but he left apparently it was due to creative differences but even still benjamin bratt did a great job voicing him oh he's great that's a great voice performance i think yep and then a new one they did was um trey parker isn't he the co-creator of south park he is yes and he does a lot of the voices on South Park, so he's a very good voice actor. Just could never really get into it. I don't know how well it plays if you're not American, because so much of South Park is making fun of America. Yep. Um, and America's, like, so much weirder than everywhere else, so... Yes, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> but they're still really funny people, nonetheless. Hilarious. I seem to have a lot of fans over there. You do. I mean, that show is so popular here. Everyone loves it. I mean, it was recommended to me by, like, five people. Until we finally watched it, yeah. And I can't understand why the Americans seem to have this admiration of me. I'm not, I'm not exactly Tom Hanks or Kevin Hart. No, but you're very sweet and you're very charming, and it's you seem like a great guy, and it's fun to watch you go on. You know, everyone is looking for love one way or another, and it's fun to watch people you like to watch go on that journey. Yes, of course. And now, this is the moment we've kind of been waiting for. Did you? directly meet and work with any cast members from Minions The Rise of Gru? Yeah, so basically um, what we do is we go to a recording studio and it's me and the director and the producer and, you know, we sit on one side of the glass and they're on the other side and um, we do all the recordings together. So we, I met all of, yeah, I worked with all of them. Who? Obviously Steve yes. um, and Alan Arkin who played wild knuckles. It's yep, he was a, him. he was a, he was a real comedy hero of mine. So meeting him was, I couldn't, I couldn't believe that Alan Arkin was saying words that I wrote was amazing. Who else? <laughs> Lucy Lawless, Danny Trejo. Oh. Uh, <laughs> you love Danny Trejo. Well, I've never really seen a lot of his work, but pretty intrigued by him. He's a really interesting guy. Also seems a bit of an Im- imitating presence. Yes, he is very intimidating. Also very sweet. And also, by the way, he owns a bunch of restaurants in Los Angeles. So, like, he owns a donut store called Trejo's Donuts. Trejo's Tacos. And Trejo's Tacos. He So, he has a lot of stuff going on. He's a really sweet guy. He actually brought his son to a recording session once just to watch. Um, and that was cool. And his son is trying to be a writer and a director. Um, who else did you um, work with? Lucy Lawless who's a great, great, great voice actor. And she plays one of my favorite characters, Nunchuck. I couldn't even tell that it was her voice. She was doing a crazy nun voice, Dolph Lundgren. And then, of course, one of my heroes growing up was Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yes. Um, Because I watched all those action movies that I, you know, I wasn't allowed to watch them, but I would be sleeping over at a friend's house and (laughs) someone would sneak it in. And who else? I'm trying to think who else was in... Oh, Julie Andrews, who plays Gru's mom. Yes, of course. And then all of the... Um, and then Michelle Yeoh, who is incredible as Master Chow. And who else? Um, who am I... You see, who else am I, who am I leaving out? 
The woman that plays um, Bell Bottom. I don't know how to pronounce her name. Right. Oh, Taraji. I forgot. Taraji. Taraji. Taraji P. Henson. She would come to some. Um, she would come to some recording sessions dressed as Bell Bottom. Wow. So those kind of costumes still exist. I couldn't believe it. Maybe she got it at like a Halloween store. I don't know. But she had a. She was a blast and was great to work with. I can tell. And you know those those vocal performances aren't. E- easy to do because they're not talking like you or I are. They're like yelling a lot of the lines. Yep. So it's exhausting for them. Yeah, because they're the villains, of course. Yes, yes. What led to the creation of the Vicious Six? And how did they manage to find a way to put in the Chinese Zodiac? The idea for the Vicious Six was um, we wanted to give little Gru something to aspire to. And we thought of like, you know, superhero teams and you were in a world of villains and a kid who wants to be a villain, wouldn't he just be dying to join this team of amazing villains that he worships? So that was the idea. And then the Chinese Zodiac, I think we were just looking, you know, um, you know what um, in movies they're called MacGuffins. It's a term we use. It's like the object everyone is searching for in the movie. So in like an Indiana Jones movie, they're looking for um, the Lost Ark or the Ark of the Covenant. Or um, in Marvel movies, they're looking for the Infinity Stones. So we wanted to have a good MacGuffin. And the Chinese Zodiac seemed like um, a stone that had its power, seemed like a really fun idea. Yeah. Um, And the animation potential of when it became you know, when it turned on and turned everyone into animals and then the minions into cute animals would would be a lot of fun. Yeah, that did seem pretty funny. And I gotta say, that was a very brilliant film. I really loved it. Thank you. Thank you. I think you did a great job doing the screenplay and the the story of it. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Now, um, I gotta say, I'm really intrigued by the characters of the Vicious Six. How come those actors were chosen specifically for those characters? What was it about them? One of the producers on the movie, his name is Brett, and he does all the casting, helps out with all the casting in the movie. And he had this really brilliant idea that the Vicious Six should all be played by 80s or 90s action heroes. So a lot of people who were like famous from action movies from growing up should be the Vicious Six. Wow. And that just seemed like a really fun idea. Yeah. And Treha and Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren was in all those movies and Lucy Lawless was Xena. You know, it was like all that kind of generation of actors. With Xena, I still haven't seen that show. I've only seen a couple because it was on when I was a kid and I wasn't allowed to watch it. I particularly disliked um, Bellbottom. Why? She was, came off as pretty annoying. That's funny. I guess everyone just has a different take on it. In the 70s, there were a lot of um, female action stars like that, and we were trying to sort of like do an homage to that. Although Taraj did an excellent job voicing Bell Bottom. Yeah, and sometimes it's good if you don't, if the if the lead villain isn't always your favorite character because you want to feel like you want them to lose. And the fact that she um came into the into the studio in the costume, what commitment! Yeah, amazing. It was really hilarious. I do have to admit, um, out of the characters of the Vicious Six, my two favorites would be Jean Claude and Stronghold. I loved all of them. And then someone said we should cast Jean Claude Van Damme as Jean Claude, and I said, "Well, yeah. that's really he's, brilliant." He's definitely known for his action performances. He's Belgian and French, I think. Yes. He also has bipolar. I didn't know that. You know, Dolph Lundgren's also very interesting because I think he has an advanced degree in engineering wow he's incredibly smart and also an incredible action hero yeah wow 
and he's Swedish. So I could see why he was perfect for for Svengeance. Svengeance, yep. Gene Claude has um a giant mechanical lobster claw for his right arm. But other than that, his appearance is that of a stereotypical Frenchman. They really liked animating him because the animation studio where they actually animate, the part of Illumination where they do the animation yeah. is in Paris and all the animators are French. So they had a great job. They had a great time doing that. With Stronghold, he's my top favorite in particular. What did you like about him? His hands aren't really human hands, they're gauntlets. Because how can hands be replaced by metal hands? They wouldn't be able to function. Correct. I mean, it would be really hard to eat dinner. Yeah, um, and plus, they're, they're massive. If he punched someone, they die instantly. There's a really funny moment at the end of the movie when the Vicious Six are turned into rats. Yep. And he still has the metal hands yep. as a little rat. And I thought and was, that was so funny. And he was struggling to lift them up. Mm -hmm. I was like to myself, oh, what's the matter? Can't lift your hands? How, how <laughs> pathetic. <laughs> exactly. And then, do you know what I also said when they were turned into rats? You seriously think a puny little rodent can be a villain? Oh, that's really good. Wow, that's really good. You know, basically, um, repeating Bell Bottoms' words to Gru. That's a great idea. I wish I had that idea. That's great. I do have to admit this. I was actually pretty disappointed that, um, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Dolph, Dolph Lundgren... Lucy Lawless and Danny Trejo didn't have many lines in the film. Yeah, you know, what happens sometimes is that, you know, the movies are only 80 minutes long, and we don't always have time to put everything in the movie, unfortunately. Yes, of course. I do have an idea to give you, but I'll get to mm -hmm. that in just a moment. What would you recommend to me as someone who wants to be a voice actor? Especially considering the fact that I'm from Australia. I'm sure there's a lot of animation and cartoons in Australia. Not as much as in America. I would, I would just say to keep um, watching a lot of animated movies and know that if you have the opportunity to do some voice acting, that you always need to turn the performance up a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, if, if you're normally acting, it's like you have to just raise the energy level of what you're doing a lot because it has to line up with these crazy animated characters. What else would you recommend? I would just, I would also recommend um, studying other other great voice actors. Like, a really great one was, um, do you know who Mel Blanc is? Yes, I'm very familiar with him. He was either on the Johnny Carson show or the David Letterman show many, many, many oh. years ago. And he does all the voices he does. And it is amazing just to watch him go from like one character to the next, one after another. Well, two other voice actors that I am familiar with and also find very admirable are Dorse Butler and Don Messick. Mm -hmm. One of Dorse Butler's characters I can probably do the best at is his name's Cogswell from the Jetsons. Are you going to do it? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Now, now, Spicely. <laughs> Let's not be better. After all, you'll still be one of my vice presidents. I just try to intimidate the voice. Yes, that's perfect. So you know, you already know a lot about voice acting. Not at all, Spicely. <laughs> Our research boys have engineered a scientific breakthrough, which will make space rockets as obsolete as jet engines. That's wonderful. I, you know, I was a huge Jets fan. That does, that's a, that's a yeah. great impersonation. This is the best I can do with Mudley. <laughs> that's pretty good. Or... I think that's great. Another brilliant guy who's, who's also a great voice actor, Phil Hartman, R.I.P. Oh, my God. The, the best. The Simpsons was never the same without him. No. 
He was widely mourned throughout Hollywood. Everybody loved him. He's just the best. Should I do an impression of um, one of Phil Hartman's characters on The Simpsons? Which character? Lyle Landley or Troy McClure? Um, I, Troy McClure, please. Okay. I'm Troy McClure. You might remember me from such films as P is for Psycho and The <laughs> President's Neck is Missing. But today I'm here to tell you about a remarkable new invention. Until now, this was the only way to get juice from an orange. It's very good. It's very good. I love Troy McClure. He's one of my favorites. One more one. One of um, Lowell Landley. You know a town with money's a little like the mule with a spinning wheel. No one knows how he got it, and danged if he knows how to use it. That's great. But you know, that's one of my favorite episodes ever. Do you know who wrote that episode? Conan O'Brien. Yes. And in LA, a few years ago, they did like a 30th anniversary show for The Simpsons at and the he, Hollywood Bowl. And he, and and he, he came Lyle out. Landley. And it was incredible. Yeah. He came out dressed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In fact, I really love Phil Hartman and his work. Ugh. Although I've never seen Saturday Night Live because we don't really watch it here in Australia. No, you could probably watch some on YouTube, some of his really funny sketches on YouTube. Do you have any new upcoming projects on the horizon for you? We have the Super Mario Brothers movie and that's coming out in April. Yes, of um, course. So that's, that's the next one. I'm very excited about that. That one took all of my energy. That was a very, that was a, you know, really big movie. Um, so now I'm just starting to think about what's next. It's a dream because I grew up playing. That was, the, well, I wasn't allowed to have a Nintendo, but I grew up playing my friend's Nintendo and it was amazing. Why were you not allowed to have all these th wonderful things? You know, my mom was an English teacher. I was allowed to have a Super Nintendo at one point, but when I was little, she wanted to make sure I was like just reading and doing my schoolwork. There's a time for studying and doing homework and then having fun to wind down. I, I I know. I know. I tried to tell her that. She finally agreed as I as I got a little older. Thank God. <laughs> and even though I've never played any of the Sonic the Hedgehog games, I do love the live action films. They're very good too. And Idris Elba as Knuckles, I love him as well. Mm -hmm. Love that man, love everything about him. And not to mention Jim Carrey. <laughs> He's the best. He's the best. My parents find him over the top, but I don't. My parents find him over the top, too, and they also don't. <laughs> he's just great. Yep. Love his work. He's, he's, like a live, he's like a living animated cartoon person. That's incredible. Now, I believe we're on to our Ask Mr. A Plus segment. That's a segment towards the end of the podcast where the guest gets the opportunity to ask me questions, whatever comes to mind. Great. My first question is... Are you still talking to uh, the young lady from Perth? Actually, yes, I am. How's it going? Very great. In fact, we had our we had our first date like um yesterday and the day before. She flew to you. Yeah. Wow. What did you do on the date? I took her to dinner on Sunday night at a beautiful place called Cirrus. Um, mm -hmm. it's a very fancy place in Sydney because mm -hmm. I wanted to take her somewhere beautiful. And then um we spent half the day yesterday together walking around the queen victoria building which is like a shopping mall in um sydney and we mm -hmm. had lunch together as well wow but we're still going to keep in touch and and facetime it like every week that's great that's exciting now that i've considered this day to be a success i'm actually playing mm -hmm. making plans to fly over to perth for a date oh wow how long is the flight about five hours at least wow australia's really big huh it is how did you find out about me with a girl from Perth? 
Um, you talked about it on your last podcast. Oh, yeah. You must have took, taken a listen. Yeah, yeah I always listen. So um, I, I heard you talking about her, and I was very excited about her for you. It seems that a lot of my fans seem to be very invested in my love life. Well, that was what the show was about, so everyone's rooting for you. Thanks. My next question is, what was it like going on a date and having people film you while you were on the date? Honestly, it was no hard work for me. It was, And it wasn't embarrassing, mm-hmm. and it didn't feel awkward. Mm-hmm. In fact, I barely noticed the cameras. Wow, that's amazing. I would be so nervous. <laughs> I'm not nervous at all. No, you're a, you're a natural performer. I would be I would be too nervous, I think. I'm fine with cameras. Do you keep in touch with anyone from the show? None of them except one. Her name's Rosie. Um, and she lives in the Blue Mountains, which is in New South Wales. That sounds beautiful. And I'm very fond of her. Yeah, she seemed really cool. Are you doing any more acting? Nothing happening at the moment, but there is some things in the works. That's exciting. But I'm also a very determined person. I'm not one to give up so easily. I know. That's what's great about you. Even though the waiting does kind of frustrate me sometimes. No, it's it's very hard. You you meditate. You know the value of patience. Yep. I just love the craft. Just love making people laugh. Oh, I was I was thinking about what you said on one of your podcasts. How you know one of the greatest gifts is to give other people the gift of laughter, and it's really yeah. true. It's really beautiful. Because all these actors, they certainly brought me a lot of a lot of laughter and joy when I when I was growing up. In my, me too. In my childhood, in my teenage years. But now I want to do it alongside them. That's wonderful. Because I, I know they're not gods, but they're very talented, amazing people. Yeah, and they would just make you so happy. And, you know, you're yeah. feeling sad or this or that. And you turn on The Office or you turn on something yeah. funny and it just makes you feel better. I mean, sure, we know what they're like on screen. But the question is, what are they like off screen? And I'm curious enough to to want to find out. Yes, I will tell you that in my limited experience with working with many of them, I mean, like Steve Carell is one of the sweetest people I've ever met. So a lot of them are just really nice people. As also Will Wheaton once said on The Big Bang Theory, one of the worst things about being a celebrity is that you never know if people like you for you. Right, right. Because with most people, I find that rather unlikely. Because I'm, I'm still just another ordinary human being like the rest of us. I know, but you get to see, you know how it is. It's like I get to see you on television and it feels like I know you a little bit. And yeah. it's exciting. And coming to this podcast helps you get to know me more. Exactly. That's been the best part of doing the podcast. Now, I want to tell you my idea of something. Okay. Maybe you and the team at Illumination could develop some kind of, some mini series or television series centered around the Vicious Six. I think that's a great idea. So that way, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Danny Trejo, Lucy Lawless, and Dolph Lundgren would have would have more chances to, to really shine with their characters. I think that's a great idea. And of course, Taraj P. Henson would also get another chance as well. It can be set in an alternate reality to that in the film. Mm-hmm. So what do, you, what do you think? I think it could be really funny. In fact, they should be called the Vicious Five. Well, you know, Wild Knuckles made them the Vicious Six and then they fired him, so... Well, technically, they um, they betrayed him and left him for dead. Yes, <laughs> that's, a, that's a more accurate way to put it. The Vicious Six got what they deserved in the end. I totally agree with that. So you'll put some some serious thought and consideration into, into this idea that I gave you? I, I will. I will for sure. Technically, all I have is the concept. Um, your mind is more creative than mine is. Well, I think your mind is very creative also, actually. I think I've just been doing this for a long time. 
the other thing is, I don't even know. I can't even come up with questions on the spot like that. It's it's very, I can't. I couldn't either. I already had my, I, I listened to your podcast. I already had these questions. I was like practicing the questions with my girlfriend for you. So I can't do it either. Don't worry about it. Oh. Well, Matt, um, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you. This was so much fun. Glad you found it to be a, an honor. Yeah, it was truly. I was looking forward to this for three weeks. So I'm very happy that we were able to connect. Mm-hmm.